0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm just going to kind of jump right into things tonight because I've got too much for one service, and so I've already edited it down somewhat, so we're going to See how much we can get in of this tonight, and oh uh, uh, well, we 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 might we might have to do something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how far we get. But I was a punched Pastor on Sunday night, and I said, "What is this? Everybody's stealing my stuff." You know, when, over our Ladies' weekend, Pastor Aaron got into some stuff that you know we'd just been talking about, and Pastor Greg's talking about stuff on the same. Night. I'm going. All right. he's he's, Yeah, he's stealing my stuff too. Pastor said, well, it must be something we need to hear. You know, if the the Holy Ghost is emphasizing something, there must be something important that we need to get from it. So I'm just going to just assume that that's what it is. There's something you need. And you need to hear it again and again and again and again to get this thing solidified and down on the inside of you. So let's just recap real quick. We're talking about the storms of life. Big news here: trouble comes to everybody. Big news, I'm telling you, some people don't seem to understand that trouble comes and it comes to everybody. You're not by yourself. And uh, it says over in 1 Peter 4:12, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try to you. Try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised. it's coming. That's all there is to it. Somebody said, that's not a very good confession. No, it's an absolute fact. The enemy is going to try you. He is going to see what you're made of. He's going to see whether you actually believe the word. He's going to see whether you're actually going to stand on the word. He's going to see if you've got a foundation you can rely on. He's coming. You better be ready. And that's what this is all about. You need to be ready. John 16, says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And if he's overcome, you have overcome. The Bible says you've been made more than a conqueror through Jesus. Amen. Our attitude toward storms ought to be like this. It has to be based on God's word. Greater is he that's in me. I am an overcomer. I am. Always triumph. Always. Always. They say you should never use the word always or never. But here I'm going to say I'm going to use it. You have to get to the place where you understand you always triumph. That's how you have to look at these things. I always triumph. You have to look at it in the context of he leads me in triumph. Not you. He Leads you in triumph. If you're going to have triumph, if you're going to be overcomers, if you're going to be victorious, you're going to have to let him lead you into those things. And, and lastly, you have to have an attitude of, I am well able to endure and to thrive in whatever situation comes my way. Because that's what we're supposed to do in storms. We're supposed to thrive in those situations. I, the quote that I could not find in my notes last week, Lynn Hammond said this, God will always give you scriptures that reflect the victory that's coming and a promise to hold on to. Settle in on that word until it becomes implanted so deeply that you can't see the situation any other way. Some people's problems is they never see themselves victorious. They never see themselves overcoming. They always see something out there that's going to overwhelm them, overtake them, that's going to be bigger than they can handle, bigger than they can deal with. No, stop that. You need to see it as a victory victory. Every single time. And be so established in the Word of God, you can't see it any other way. And we've talked about the reasons for storms. That we, we know where they come from, but how do they come? Number one, disobedience. We talked about that. To God, If you're disobedient to God's will or to his Word, you're going to have some storms. You know, and I decided to go back and put, you know, just define something for you. I put foolish choices under disobedience. Now now they could have that a category all its own, but I prefer to put it under disobedience. Why? Because it says if we'll walk in the spirit, tells us to walk in the spirit. It tells us to sow to the spirit. If we'll do those things, we'll find ourselves not walking in disobedience. How what kind of foolish choices are there? Natural warnings not heeded. You know, there are people who have done foolish things, When just common sense would say, don't do that. I mean, I've known of missionaries who got on a plane in the midst of a storm because they just said, we've got faith, we can overcome. Well, now, if God tells you to go, then you've got his word on it. But when God didn't say go, I suspect you better listen to the forecast and keep your little fanny on the ground. And keep that plane on the ground. And an entire, entire half of a family got wiped out because they decided they could believe God. That's called foolishness. How about the inward witness? We didn't pay any attention to the inward witness. That's a bad choice. Bad advice. Listen, you need to get your advice from a good source. Don't go get advice from people who aren't successful in what you're asking about. I, you may say true, but I'm telling you, people do it all the time. Well, what would you do about this? To somebody who doesn't even who can't who's never had a success in that area ever. You 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 don't go, you don't go to ask somebody financial questions who can't even balance a checkbook. True. Sometimes our foolish choices, because we just don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, this is just this is out of my comfort zone. Well, no. Foolish choices can be going with the crowd. We talked about that, I believe. Deceived by appearances. Listen, there's a whole lot of people who find themselves in the middle of chaos in their lives because they listen to some preacher on TV who sounds good, but it's not based on the word. It's a foolish choice. You know, um, I, I know somebody years ago because some, some teaching came out about prosperity and they gave all this stuff away and then wound up bankrupt God didn't tell them to do that. They got inspired by preacher so-and-so. That was a bad choice, folks. Pastor Greg was at, a, was at somewhere, uh, or maybe it was a friend of his, was at some con- uh, conference or something, and, and uh, he got all taken up in, the, in all this giving and stuff that was going on. Listen, I hate to tell you this, but there's a lot of preachers out there who are hucksters, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. When they talk about money all the time to the exclusion of everything else, you need to find another channel, yes. another Facebook page, another website, another radio station. Turn that CD off. Some, if that's all they ever talk about, they're not balanced, and you need to run. Run. This young man was at this conference. He got all hooked up in all the hype, and he gave away all of his suits. He was he was in the ministry. He gave away all of his suits because oh, this is this is this is good. I'm gonna get in on this. Well, he wound up going home in his blue jeans, and he didn't have any suits left, none. That's stupid. Fall. Don't get caught up in anything. Don't, listen to your heart listen and obey what's on the inside of you it's a better guide than somebody in the pulpit who is who's trying to get you to give you know if somebody ever comes at you with a oh it's it's the year of of this or that or the other we're going to give x amount don't don't fall for that nonsense it's the same old snake oil that's been going around for years and years and years you know we okay never mind i'll go on Proverbs 19.3 in the Message Bible says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. I thought, man, that just kind of puts it right in a nutshell, doesn't it? Their own stupidity. But Galatians talks about sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the spirit. Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about walking in the spirit. 1 John 1 talks about walking in the light. You know, I, I, tonight we were singing this song, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Well, how are you going to know what those things are if you don't follow after the Spirit? But we have a good habit of saying all that in a song but not practicing it in real life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can go I can meddle. I won't. I'll keep on going. Then number two reason for storms, obedience. I mean, we have an exa- examples of that. The disciples got in the boat. We're in the middle of a big, huge storm out in the Sea of Galilee. We see Jesus, who was in multiple storms all the time. And he was constantly just, I mean, one storm after another, the enemy coming and fighting him, Jews fighting him, all kinds of stuff. You know, then there was Paul. You know, he tortured and, and beaten and shipwrecked and all that. Those, I think those are called storms. I think so. And then there was Paul and Silas when they were in jail. Good example of being in the middle of a storm. And let me tell you, in the day that we live in right now, you can have major storms come in your life because you take a stand on something that's Bible. hmm People will call you all kinds of names because you believe the Bible, and you'll say, I believe what the Bible says about that. Oh, yeah, but you know, I I won't get meddling too much in that area. But if you're going to stand up for what the Word says, you're going to have some storm come your way from people. But you know what? God's bigger than that. The Word is still true, and He'll still put you over. In the middle of a storm, you can have things demonstrated that won't be demonstrated any other way. You can have acceleration of things in your life because of a storm. You go into a storm one way, and you come out. It's like it's like Clark Kent and Superman. Seriously. You go in like you know, this mild manner thing. You come out like a, oh, wow, warrior time. Uh, I, I found this quote from somebody just this week, and it says, Every time you encounter opposition, you have received an opportunity to become proficient with your authority. Isn't that good? Every time you encounter opposition, you have received an opportunity to become proficient with your authority. God believes in you, and God believes you have what it takes. When you obey him, he will back you up every single time. The third reason where the storms come is you're a victim of other people's decisions. Jonah's shipmates were at the mercy of the elements because Jonah was in disobedience. I mean, Jonah clearly says over the first chapter of, of Jonah, he said, it's my fault. It's my fault. You throw me over, Just it's, it's my fault. I'm, I'm the one who's got a problem here. Paul, you know, he, he was on a ship headed for Rome. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to get there. But he told them right up off the bat, he said, if you sail, if you sail, there's gonna be great loss, loss of life. That's in Acts 27.10. But here's the deal. When there are there trouble, there's trouble in your life because of somebody else's bad decisions, you keep your heart right toward them. Paul in, in 27 10, he said there was going to be loss of life. But by the time he got to verse, we get to verse 24 of that same chapter, he says, there'll be no loss of life, only of the ship and all of its goods. Now, how did that happen? Because Paul kept his heart right and he prayed. He prayed. You know, it's, it's better for you to pray for somebody who is, who is the originator of the bad decision that has now affected your life than it is to be angry with them. It'll produce for you, and it'll produce for them. I mean, how, how, do, do you really want them to suffer? I mean, really, is that your goal? You want them to be so, so taken by their bad decisions that they suffer? No, Paul wanted these people to be saved. And so he prayed, and there was no loss of life. In the middle of a storm, perseverance is a must. Winston Churchill said this, if you're going through hell, keep going. Sea storms is temporary. Become better, not bitter. See it as an opportunity to let God shine and you grow stronger. Our response, and that includes attitudes as well as actions, will determine whether we do come out better and stronger. I, saw, I heard something just this week about, uh, about sharks. You know, you can say, well, I don't want storms to come my way." Well, then you're going to have to stay in a little bubble. You're going to have to stay in that little bubble and never talk to anybody and never go anywhere. And I still can't guarantee you that storms won't come. But he, this guy was talking about how um, these, like, big executives like to have aquariums in their offices these days. And one of the, the most popular fish that they want in their aquarium is a shark. And he said, it's interesting that you put a shark in one of these aquariums, in, like in somebody's office. We're not talking about, like, SeaWorld Aquarium. We're talking about just a, you know, an in-home, to in-office kind of aquarium. He said, you put a, a baby shark in, in an aquarium like that, and it'll probably grow to maybe eight inches. You put that same shark out in the ocean, he'll grow up to eight feet. See, the shark will only get as large as his environment allows him. Listen, you have to look at storms that come your way as an opportunity to grow. To grow. If you don't get out of your little bubble, you're not going to grow. And so that kind of builds us up to where we're going to start on for the next next set of things here. Let's see. Um, Okay, here we go. Um, This is where we kind of get into some stuff that I'm going to just kind of have to run through tonight. Go with me to James. Pastor Greg read the scripture on Sunday night. James 1. Verses 2 through 5. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. What you see here is you're identifying four different things, four different spiritual forces that should be at work at you when there is a storm brewing or when you're in the middle of a storm. Number one, obviously, is joy. Count it all joy. It doesn't feel like joy. It doesn't look like joy. Nobody would call this a joyful situation, but you need to count it all joy. Big amen there. Okay. Big amen. You know, you think, that's I don't want to. Well, that's the problem. You don't want to. You have to want to. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You're going to have to just be joyful whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not. How many times have we gone around, around the house going, ha, 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 ha. ha. You, you do that long enough and I'm telling you, joy will get a hold of you. That's, that's, that's made a, that is making a quality decision to be joyful. It may not sound like joy when you start, but it can end up with a hilarious outing. Hilarious outing. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not your strength that will get you through. It's the, his strength. The joy of the Lord. To get his strength, you got to have his joy. Uh, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Proverbs 17:22, a joyful heart does good like a medicine. John 15:11 says, "My joy may remain in you and your joy may be full." Listen, Paul wanted to finish his race with what? With joy. Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Joy is a major component of getting you through a storm successfully, let me. Uh, here's a checklist on how to keep maintain your joy when you're in adversity. Number one, remember your covenant. You can go to Psalm 27 to find these points, and uh, I won't. We won't go there just for the sake of time. But number one, remember your covenant. Remember who God is. Remember who's given you the authority that you need in this life. Remember the one who's done everything for you. Remember the one who's given his life for you. Remember the one who's provided everything. He has a covenant with you. He says, you're my child, I'll take care of you. You have to believe that God is the provider of everything you need. He's, if it's sickness, he's the great physician. If it's, if it's uh, supply and provision, he's your provider. You know, David says that the Lord was his light and his salvation. You can't keep saying who God is to you and stay weak and stay sad and stay discouraged. You can't. So, number one, remember your covenant. Number two, don't cast away your confidence. Stand strong. Hebrews talks about that. It says in Hebrews 10, 20, 35, cast away, not away, therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. It's our choice whether we cast it away or whether we hang on to it. And sometimes, you know, you can can cast it away, but you can pick it up again. Just because you put it down once doesn't mean that's the end. It means pick it back up and go on. We see that in the lives of, of so many of the, of the saints of God. I mean, they, they doubted God, but they got back into a place of faith, picked up, and went on and saw the victory. Don't cast away your confidence. Number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's got to be the focus. We don't can't let our eyes get, get off onto the circumstances of life. We can't let our eyes get off on what other people say or what other people do. Keep your eyes focused on him. Um, let me check this scripture here real quick before I tell you where it is. And Second Corinthians 4. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 4. Come on, real quick. I don't hear enough pages. 4, 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not. For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. You know who's writing this? Paul. Paul, the man who was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and persecuted and jailed. and all that, He called it a light affliction. We give much too much credence to the storms that come our way by giving them a place of importance that they don't deserve. It says, he's called it our light affliction. Working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now go with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. In verses two and three, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I've got written in here, and got it surrounded here because another translation of that word "author" says he's the originator. Of our faith and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Number four, keep your mind on the Word of God. You know, we're told to meditate in the Word. Proverbs talks about the person who meditates in his word day and night. There's a reason why your eyes need to be focused and your heart needs to be given attention to what's in the word. It's got to take the predominant place. It's got to take preeminence in everything. It's got to be the go-to instead of the finally get to. There's a difference there. You know, our go-to is something that we immediately just attach ourselves to, you know, for any particular thing. Not, not the last thing, the first thing. The first thing. Uh, number five, always expect God's protection. You know, in back over in Psalm, we're not, like I said, we're not going to take time to read it, but in verse 5 of Psalms 27, it says, He will hide me. He is going to protect you. He's going to uphold you. He's going to preserve you in every area if we just trust Him to do that. Number six, keep praising God even in the midst of adverse circumstances. You know, David said this. He said, therefore will I offer in, this, in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. We can take that into the new covenant phrase and say, say it like this. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle. This tabernacle, this temple, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of God. You know, the sacrifice of praise has to be in this temple, this one, not somebody else's, but in this one. If I'm going through something, something, the sacrifice of joy has to be in this temple. My rejoicing isn't going to do you any good. Your rejoicing is not going to do me any good. It's up to me to rejoice for myself. It's up to you to rejoice for yourself. I will lift up holy hands. I will bless the Lord. I will. I, 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 I. You know, it all comes back to me. You know why? Because you're the only one you can always depend on. Just because because other people love you and they're there for you at times, it doesn't mean they're always going to be there. You can't afford to depend on anything but God and then do what he says do. You're the only one you can count on to praise God in the midst of trials, in the midst of tests, in the midst of circumstances. I have to do this. I have to do it. It's the only way to get out of those areas. Um, Number seven, don't ever stop believing. Because in verse 13 of Psalms 27, it says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. Listen, when you can see what nobody else sees, you'll be overcoming when nobody else is overcoming. When you can see it, when you don't stop believing God, when you put yourself in a place where God said he would do this. I believe it. That's all there is to it. I'm never going to change my mind. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to believe what he said. That's where it comes in at. That I would, yeah, you would have faded had you not believed. You would have given up. But I'm telling you what, when you're firmly established and believe what God has said to you, you're going to see yourself... And then experience the victory that you need to see. Um, people need to see that you believe God. Do you know that? You need to see yourself believing God, but other people need to see you believe in God. You don't understand what it is sometimes. What what an example you are, can and should be to other people. You are you are an example. But what are you an example of? Does your joy come out of you so fluidly, so easily, so abundantly that people go, "Oh yeah, yeah, she's always on top of it." That's the person who does that. Is the person everybody looks at and say, "Well, they never have any issues." You know, they never have any problems. I mean, you know, they're just they've got it so easy. Saying those wonderful things. Keep on. Keep on. Oh, yeah, that they, they yeah, they'll they never have any trouble coming their life. I mean, you know, I have all this stuff going on, and and boy, they never have any. They don't know. They don't know. Because you keep a smile on your face, because you keep a song on your lips. Because you keep a praise, you know, going all the time. They don't understand a lot of times what you're going through. You don't, they don't understand the storm that you're in. They don't understand that you're sailing through the storm. There is something. Number eight, don't grow weary. Verse 14 of Psalm 27 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Listen, it, sometimes you can get tempted to get weary. But this is how you know you're maintaining your joy. Don't get weary. You'll be tempted to get weary. You'll be tempted to lay it down. You know, there's the, over in the Old Testament, there was you know, the time when, when uh, David's men, they were off and they came back and the enemy had come in and stolen everything and their wives and their children. And, and they were discouraged. It said they hung their harps on the willow. A big picture of, well, I'm just going to just give up and have a pity party. <laughs> I don't want to go to that party. I like parties, but I don't want to go to that party. You shouldn't want to go to that party. No, don't have a pity party. That's just where the enemy wants you. He doesn't want you to get up and say, bless God, I'm going after him. See, that's what David finally did. He said, we're going after him. We're going after him. We're bringing him home. You know, you just have to say, you know, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm getting up. We're gonna go get what what belongs to us, and we're gonna bring it back. Home. It's going to be mine. Amen. You know, I had something interesting. The Lord told me just just the other day, just something I've never really seen before. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take take you there. We're still in Hebrews. This is over in Hebrews ten. So just turn back a page. Um. We're so familiar with Hebrews ten twenty five, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more the more as you see the day approaching. Well, we use this, and it's rightly used to tell people why they should be in church all the time. Because God's got something for you here that you won't find. Your answer will be here. It's not going to be somewhere else. He's called us together. For a purpose, he's called us together to come and to be with him and to experience him in his, in his presence. But he's, we've also come because he's got answers for us. He's got things for us here. But, you know, the New Testament was not writ- written in chapter and verse. It was written as a letter. I just kind of looked at this the other day and went, huh, look at that. In verse 23 it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without waiving for he is faithful that promised." But look at verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let me get my 26 translations out here. It says, the Rotherham translation says, let us attentively consider one another. Another translation says... Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. And he says, to provoke unto love and to good works, one translation says, as to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. The Weymouth translation says, with a view to arousing one another to brotherly love and right conduct. What I saw here was, let us consider one another and provoke one another to stir up love and good works in one another when we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. How are you going to stir someone else up if you're not here? Your job when you come to church is to be available to stir up. It's one of the jobs you have, one of the responsibilities you have as a believer. When you come in to stir up somebody else to encourage somebody else, to provoke them to something good. Their face can be all down and you can help lift that up, provoke them into some good work. But if you're not here, you're not available to do that for somebody. Conversely, if you're not here, you're not available for somebody to do that for you. There's a lot of reasons to come to church. There's a lot of reasons not to stay home. Here is one of them that I'd never seen as a benefit of being in church all the time because you don't know who needs encouraging. And sometimes the reason you're not here is because you need to be encouraged. But if you're not here, you're not going to be encouraged. You're going to be at home feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, woe is me. Poor me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody even tells me they love me. Nobody even tells me they miss me. Nobody, you're not here. Now, I understand we need to reach out to people when we see them, see them missing week after week after week after week. But Listen. You need to be here. This is the place you need to be when you are discouraged. I remember a time in my life where I was majorly depressed, and I know the year, and I know, the, and I know the time the time frame of the year. I, I remember, I remember these things, you know, for a lot of di- a lot of different ways and a lot of different reasons. And I would sit. This was in the old church, and I would sit on the platform back in those days, you know, and and I was up there all the time while he was while he was preaching, and I would sit there in agony. Because I did not want to be there. I did not want to be there. It would, it would, have, been, it would have been so wonderful if I could have not been there. I said, well, you had to be there. You're the preacher's wife. Well, yeah, I did have to be there. But you know what? There's also a choice. There's also a choice to be there. And I remember thinking to myself, my husband, my family, this church would be all better off without me. And I began to listen to those crazy thoughts, if I had continued to listen, I'm not sure I'd be here today. You think nobody goes? Here. I would sit on that platform and, and silently be crying, and people would thought I was just getting blessed during the praise and worship service or something that had nothing to do with it. I would be crying because I was so depressed, and I just wanted, I just wanted it all to just go away. You know, I just, I couldn't get a handle on it for a long time. But I tell you what, just the continual coming. The continual coming, continual being under the Word, continual being in an atmosphere of, of praise and worship got me through that. You have to push your way through some things. You have, to be, you have to be willing to be encouraged, but it helps for you to be an encourager. So part of coming to church means provoking one another to good works on the giving and the receiving end. Be aware when you come in that somebody just, that you look at them and just go, they need a hug they just need a hug they just, they just need a big smile so what if they don't respond you don't know but what it might be making a difference you know okay that was my little thing anyway number nine always be expectant so we've gone through nine things you know all, the always be expectant part is when God said he'll do it he'll do it you ever had you ever told your kids we're going we're going to we're going to the zoo on, on, on Saturday. All week they're expecting. All week. We have to have that same attitude when God says, I'll do this for you. Just be expecting. You, you know him. That's the thing. You know him. You know him well enough to know. He will come through. He is good at his word. He is as good as his word. His word is him. He is his word. You know What he said he will do, he will do. So those nine things to, to uh, your checklist on your joy is remember your covenant, don't cast away your confidence. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your mind on the Word of God. Always expect God's protection. Keep praising God in the midst of adverse circumstances. Don't ever stop believing. And don't grow weary. And lastly, always be expecting. So that's joy. Now, number two, we, we found out in James. Go back to James. You're just a couple pages over. Going back, going back to James In verse three, knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, and entire, wanting nothing. Listen, it is going to be your choice whether you're going to be patient or not. It's easy to jump ship too soon. Let him bring you into port. Don't jump ship. Because what he's got for you is so much better than what you're going to settle for if you jump too soon. You're going to find yourself in the middle of a bigger struggle than what it needs to be if you get out there ahead of God because you're not patient. Listen, many of the time that people have, have, have been believing God for something and because it ta- was taking a while to get to them, you know, and we understand that God sends the answer just as soon as we ask in faith. It takes time in the natural realm. God doesn't deal with time. We deal with time. And he has to get things moved and turned and and positioned and people in the right spots to do for you what needs to be done. Be patient. And yet when we lose our patience, we settle for something less than what God wants us to have. So you're looking for a new car. You're looking for a new house. You're looking for a spouse. You know, it could be a lot of different things. Don't settle. Be patient. Let patience have her perfect work. You know, I I don't know what to tell you. You know, patience isn't a passive thing, it's active, it's persevering, it's enduring, it's continuing. It's not passive. It's not just a, oh, okay, I'll just sit sit back and, you know, let life roll by while I'm enduring. No, that gives a connotation of just having to put up with something. No, you don't have to put up with anything. I choose to be patient. I choose. It's a choice. The Weeks translation talks about the fact that patience, it talks about patience that bears up and does not lose heart. Or courage under trials. And the Barclay talks about the fact that it's not simply the ability to bear things. It's the ability to turn them into greatness and to glory. Patience. The response of patience is, I will not quit. I won't give up. I won't let go. This is what God's promised me. I'm not letting go till I see it. You see it by the net by the eye of faith but I'm not letting go until I see it with my natural eyes. I'm not letting go. That's what patience will do for you. You've got to have faith. Faith the trying of our faith works patience well. How does your patience your faith grow by the trying of your faith? You know, your muscles don't get any stronger if you just sit around and do nothing. You know, I I have a relative right now that that my mother will tell me, well, how is so-and-so doing? Well, she's just kind of getting weaker and weaker all the time. She stays in bed all the time. I say, well, the longer she stays in bed, the more bedridden she's going to be. And see, there are Christians who are spiritually bedridden. Their faith is doing nothing for them, won't produce anything for them because they're not using it. They're not exercising it. Listen, I have come to terms with, with going to a gym and why I need to go to a gym. And I'm telling you what, it makes a difference. The trying of your faith will work the patience, but the tr- it's the trying that's going to do it. You know, if you go to the gym and you just look at all that weight equipment, it's not going to do you any good. But you've got to put, when resistance comes against to your muscles, that's when you begin to get stronger. Resistance will cause the devil is going to provide you with all the resistance you can handle. You know, and so start off by taking him on. And in the and when you first get into something, you go, Oh no, I don't want to do this. But I'm telling you what, the more you get into it, it's like, yep, yep, yep. I, I find myself when I go to the gym, I mean, I've got my little routine going here and I've got 20 minutes here and 10 minutes here and X amount of minutes in the, in the back room on the weight machines and diff- different things, you know, and, and to me, it, it becomes a competition. I have, to, I have to deal with it in, in those terms sometimes. I, I, I take it as, okay, I, think, I can do this. Uh, how many calories can I burn in this time? How many can, how, okay, okay, how many calories can I do on this machine? How, and and how, many, how many rounds do I have to do here? And, okay, how fast can I get it done? And, and by the time I'm through, I'm just covered in sweat. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a sorry picture, I'm telling you. If you saw me, yeah, it's not pretty. Not pretty at all. But I'm telling you, when I walk out, I'm tired, but I feel better. Your faith may be pushed to the limit. There are days I get on this one machine and I'm going, I can't do this one more time. But well, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I keep telling myself, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can do all 15 of these reps, and I can do three sets of these things. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. My my muscles are shaking and everything's quivering, and I just don't think I my body's saying, You cannot do this. I'm going, Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Listen. Your faith will take you further than you know. You just don't quit. Do not give up. And then it goes on to say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. Um, Wisdom enables us to make an accurate application of our faith. You can sabotage your own success if you don't use wisdom. And there's a lot of, lot of things you can, you can say about this. And we talked, you know, in our series on Proverbs, we talked about wisdom. And uh, there's so much, you know, that are, that's, that's in, in that. How about the guy who's believing for financial increase on the job? Like pay raises and promotions. And yet his work ethic is terrible. There's no excellence in the work that he does. Maybe he's not trying to even get along with his fellow workers. You know, we, we, we have an old, old, old friend back from high school was valedictorian of his class, class president, voted most likely to succeed and got into some issues after in college, wound up in prison for a number of years is is at, he never used any wisdom? He thought he could talk his way out of things. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. But if you've been listening on spiritually speaking, if you've been listening on Sunday mornings, there's a way to talk yourself out of issues. There's a way to talk. It's called confessing the Word of God, saying what God says. But wisdom is a necessary ingredient to getting you through a storm. Wisdom has to be used because there will be times when natural wisdom would say one thing and God's wisdom will say something else. You need to be ready to follow God's wisdom in every area. How about the benefits of of wisdom? Wisdom will tell you to dwell safely because wisdom, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Wisdom enables you to walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. When you receive wisdom's influence, length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. Wisdom causes you to find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Wisdom causes you to fear God and depart from evil, which will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Following wisdom means your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. When you walk in the ways of wisdom, you'll discover that length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are paths of peace. Wisdom enables you to walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. Wisdom will promote you and bring you honor. Wisdom causes the years of your life to be many. So much has to do with wisdom. And so these are the attributes that will help get us through storms of life. Um, But remember, see storms as temporary. They've come to pass. You know, when Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, he said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's get out there and just stay in the middle of the sea. He said, let's go to the other side. They weren't going to make a houseboat and go go live out there in the ocean or in the Sea of Galilee. We have a job to do. We're going to go to the other side. See, there's something on the other side. I said this, I think, before. The enemy, is what he's trying to do is he's trying to keep you from getting to where God wants you to go. God's always positioning us for things that will bless us and will bless someone else. And if the enemy can keep us from getting into position, then he can stop those things from happening. He can stop you from getting blessed. He can stop somebody else from being blessed because of you. You have to, have to get to a place where you just say, nope, it's temporary. It's temporary. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get disillusioned. I'm going to trust God. Don't ever let the words come out of your mouth. Well, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, I, I, I believed God for so-and-so, and it just, it just didn't work. Well, if it didn't work, then you didn't believe God. It's just all there is to it. I'm sorry. You just didn't. I have an opinion that it's always the fault if there was something that does not manifest itself in my life like I know it should. I am. It's much easier for me to say that it's my on my end than it's on God's end. Who am I to change God? But I can change me. The ability to change rests with me and i can change myself so that i fall in line with the word of god and with the plan of god for my life heavens you know it just it makes sense that if it doesn't work something in me was lacking i didn't connect somewhere i didn't really trust god somewhere i didn't wasn't fully persuaded you know you can be persuaded or you can be fully persuaded. Paul talked about being fully persuaded because of the things of God. And if, when you're fully persuaded, you're going to come through on the other side. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm going I'm to find a stopping place here. Um, remember when it comes to living by faith, you know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Romans says we live by faith. Another verse in Romans says we're justified by faith. Second Corinthians says we stand by faith. Second Corinthians, another place, says we walk by faith. Ephesians says we're saved by faith. We know Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, you can't have faith in somebody you don't know and that you're not really familiar with. You need to become more acquainted with your Father Who he is, what he's provided for you through the shed shed blood and the finished work of Jesus. You need to get acquainted with that. You have to know that you can't stand and fight on your own. But you must rely on him and what Jesus has done for us. Faith can't grow if it's not tried. Um, Smith Wigglesworth said this, Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. And great triumphs can only come out of great trials. You can either get in the middle of a storm, like the disciples found themselves in a boat out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You can either sink or you can let that wind propel you to the other side. I don't know a lot about sailing, but I think, and if you do, you correct me if I'm wrong, I do think that if you turn your sails into the wind, it'll take you where you want to go. See, it's attitude so many times that we have problems with. You know, I, uh, I appreciate Jug Sunday night when he said that about the roller coaster thing. You know, you can get on a roller coaster and you can like, I hate this. I hate this. I don't like roller coasters. You know, going up and I don't like that thing. But you know what? The best way to endure a roller coaster is to put your hands up and go, whoa! You know, the best way to go through a trial, a tribulation, a storm, is to put your hands up and go, "Woo!" It's all about attitude. It's all about attitude. My attitude about the turbulence on the airplane. I can either be stiff, you know, and and panicked and in fear over the turbulence, or I can just sit back and go, oh, thank you, Lord, for rocking me to sleep. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now I was like, "Can we have a little turbulence? I need to take a nap." <laughs> can Can we please just a little bit of little bit of something here? I just I need I need this plane's much too smooth. Can we do that? Listen, attitude, attitude will get you through so much because it'll keep things in perspective, like you need it to keep in perspective. Um, okay. There are some people, how much time I got? Okay, I got, I got, I got, I got six minutes. You don't need it? Okay, all right. Listen, there are people that are called storm chasers. Anybody heard of storm chasers? They deliberately go into a storm. There will be times in your life where you will get to choose to be a storm chaser because you see that to do something for somebody else will require you to get into the middle of a storm. Mhm. To get in there to help them will put you in the middle of a storm. But that's a choice you'll make. Because you can be that source of strength and encouragement, stability, support to the person who doesn't know how to get out of that storm. Become the God kind of storm chaser. Paul was a man who did that. I mean, he was constantly walking in the Spirit. He was—he just—he found himself, you know, he was always encouraging the churches, always doing this, always doing that. He, he found himself as being uh, a storm chaser. Um, Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, there's a place for us to get in there with somebody in the middle. It's not my storm. It's their storm. But let me come in there and help you. Let me come in there and be a help to you. Let me come in there and, and show you how to turn the sails so instead of it f- fighting us, it's aiding us. You know, a storm can be a real aid to you. Are oh, you crazy? No, I'm not. It can be a real help to you if you turn the sails around. Don't tie your boat to somebody else's disobedience boat. Mm. You know, the big thing that comes into my mind is, is when you get offended with somebody and you hear, about, you hear about somebody getting hurt by someone else and you get offended with them. Don't tie your boat to theirs. That's not your job. That's not your place. It's not your position. Bible tells you to be a peacemaker, not, a, not an ally in their offense. Don't be an enabler. Don't take on the pressure to be the fixer for somebody else all the time. You do it when you're led by the Spirit to do that. Don't let people become dependent on you to help them through every storm they go through. You know, you can do that sometimes, but it comes there comes a time when somebody has to deal with the storm on their own because if it's the same kind of storm, there's something they need to learn to keep themselves out of the storm the next time. Um you keep enabling them, they'll never learn. They'll never learn. Somebody who's constantly rescuing other pers- people, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in, in terms of, you know, situations like, oh, well, never mind, I won't go there. Uh, don't let somebody use you, okay? That, I guess I could put it like that. Don't be used. You be an aid, an asset, a blessing, but don't be used. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't enable people. Make them take responsibility for why they're in the storm if it's of their own doing. Because otherwise they won't learn enough to not get back in it. Okay? Uh I've seen people be takers constantly. I've seen people be so consumed with what they're going through that they never see how they can be an encourager to somebody else. They can be a help to someone else in their storm. I remember years ago, there was a family that had some major financial issues, and it got down to the point where where the husband and the wife were making sure the kids were getting fed, and all they had left to eat was popcorn. And there's this other friend of theirs was just constantly going on and on about the troubles in her life and, and all the things that were going on in her in her marriage and all the things that were happening to her. It was all about her. Never once did she realize, these people have some need that I could help with. You know, it's a difference between takers and givers. In the middle of a storm, a giver will still be looking to help somebody else. In the midst of a storm, a taker never considers anybody but themselves. And yet that's happened many times, and the taker-type people sometimes will take, 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 take until the well runs dry, and then they move on to new territory somebody else to feel sorry for them and do for them and enable them but don't do that don't do that storms come to everybody everybody has lessons to be learned everybody can can grow in their faith because of storms everybody can grow in patience everybody can learn new things everybody can come out strong out of out of things that could be horrific but come in come out so strong that the enemy well, the enemy doesn't seem to understand that if I come out the way God intends for me to come out of a storm, you'll never be able to pull this over on me again. Now, that has to be maintained. And so, like I've said, and Pastor Greg said on, on Sunday night, you need to be prepared. When hurricane season's coming, get prepared. Listen, I'm telling you, storm season's coming. Be prepared. That may seem, not seem like the, the best news you've ever heard, but I'm telling you, it's, it's just because we live in this world where there's an enemy who hates our guts, who hates us, who hates the plan of God, who, hate, who hates everything God stands for, and In fact, and, and we are the visible, physical manifestation of God in this earth. And he wants to put as much on us as he possibly can He's looking to discredit us in the face of, of life and in the face of other people. Don't let him. Be prepared for the storms that come. And be victorious because you can be. You are. You are an overcomer. You are always, what was is, it is I, I said a while ago? Greater is he that's in me. This is our attitude. Greater is he that's in me. I am an overcomer. I always triumph. He leads me in triumph. I am well able to endure and thrive in the middle of every storm. See, that's got that's got to be our attitude. That's got to be where we live is no matter what comes my way, me and God, we can handle it. God is the one who supplies everything that I have need of. And he wants me to take advantage of that. And in the middle of storms, hey, hang on. Just hang in there. He's got you. You're not going down with the ship, I promise. You're not. You know, and you just be there for someone else. Be there to provoke someone else to good works. Be there to encourage someone else in theirs. Say, let's ride this one out together. You know, it's, it's, it's more fun when you got a boatload of people. So let's just stay in the boat together and just get to the other side. God's got something for us on the other side of this thing. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.